I got a privilege today to continue a series, but this time it's a little bit different. We're in a series called Invisible. And, you know, invisibility is when there's someone either absent or they're not being seen. And that's kind of how this text starts out. Is that there's a situation that God is revealing to a prophet about the nation of Israel. And it is, we're going to take that for a moment. And has anybody ever been in church or been around church for a long time and you hear some of the Christian cliches like, this is what I'm going to preach on so we might as well cut straight to the chase. Anybody ever heard standing in the gap? Yeah. How about over here? Standing in the gap? It's not the place in the mall. Uh, It's not. (laughs) And for some of us that didn't grow up always being around church, sometimes when you hear little things like standing in the gap, you don't know what that means. And so I want to just talk to you about the scripture where that is quoted from. And it's a, a scripture in Ezekiel chapter 22, verse 30, and it says this, And I sought for a man among them, who should build up the wall and stand in the modern version is the breach. In King James it says stand in the gap. It means the gate before me for the land. That I should not destroy it, but I found none. It's talking about an invisible... I could preach this message and talk to you about the invisible man that God's looking for. But you know what? You're not in Israel today. You're not in the times of Ezekiel. You're sitting in a group of fellowship that call ourselves City Gate. And here's some of the things that I've been guilty of in the past. Is I raised two boys and I didn't know how to, to you know, I didn't get the benefit of daughters and, until marriages and, and 17 years of ministry where I got to adopt a few and, and then grandchildren both, uh, you know, that I adopted 17 years ago and then the, the biological grandchildren that we've been blessed with over the last um, year. And all of a sudden, this was the uh, indictment against me. Pastor, you just on Mother's Day, you honor those ladies at the utmost. And then you challenge us on Father's Day. <laughs> and that's pretty much true, man. I would, I'd snap the whip. Come to, But I'm here to tell you, we don't look like the world. And we do not look like ancient Israel. Because you are sitting within probably arm's distance of a mighty man of God, a righteous man. And if God was writing this scripture about City Gate today, he would say, I looked at 1735 Jackson Street for a, a church filled with righteous men that would prevail against the enemy in southwest Florida. And those men joined with the men of other fellowships in southwest Florida. And they declared light into darkness, broken our heat healing and hope and and wholeness into brokenness and disease. And they believe, I looked for a man and I found a bunch of them. Wouldn't that be wonderful? And so I'm going to be preaching about not the invisible man that was missing in, in the time of Ezekiel, but the visible man that's sitting close to you. So let's pray. Father, today I ask you for the anointing of the Holy Spirit to touch our hearts and our lives and allow us a moment of transformation in your presence. Father, I ask for your word to go forth with the enablement of the Holy Spirit that makes change and transformation possible. And I give you the praise and honor in Jesus' name. And everybody said...
See, what Ezekiel was being informed of is that God was literally saying, Hey, Ezekiel, I looked into the nation of Israel, and everywhere I looked, I saw the same thing. I started in the palace. I started in the government. I wanted to see leaders among you. And what I saw was that the princes of, of the royal family and, and that were, were sit in place to be godly examples over you have failed miserably. They've become corrupt. They've become wicked. And now they take, uh, they take advantage of the poor and the oppressed. He said, then I looked into the house of God and I was utterly shocked that I found the same condition of the men of God that call themselves priests as the same as the princes. I looked for them, I looked there and I was looking for a, a priesthood that would be righteous and holy and all I found was again wickedness and people taking advantage of others. And oppressing people with title and power. This is what he says literally in scripture. Her priests have done violence to my law and have profaned the holy things. They have made no distinction between the holy and the common. Neither have they taught the difference between the unclean and the clean. They have disregarded my Sabbath so that I am profaned among them. And what you get caught up to in this scripture is all of a sudden God says, You know what? I'm taking offense to it. I'm taking offense to the position of unrighteousness and wickedness among my people. And I'm going to look for a solution. And so now my eyes are going to go from the palace and from the temple. And it's going to start to search throughout the land. And I'm looking for a man. Now ladies, no disrespect, but this text here, he was not looking for a righteous person. You find righteous women and powerful women of God throughout other texts in the Bible, but not this one. When God was looking for a solution to this situation of transforming the wicked condition of Israel, he said, I saw out a man among them. A righteous man. And the Bible sadly says, I found none. So all of a sudden, I believe God looks for solutions. In today's world, the uh, sociologists say that a lot of the social ills that we are struggling with in our communities and in our culture of our, of, our, of our nation is a result of an absent of fatherhood. But I'm here to tell you, City Gate, you can, if you have come here hurting, if you've come here broken, if you've come here with that, that void in your life, you have found a place here where you can see and look towards a godly example of manhood because these are righteous men and if God, I remind you, if God was looking in the building he would find plenty. Say amen. amen. But there's when you come to be a godly man ready to transform the world the Bible says this I looked for a man to do some work. I needed somebody that would have the capabilities of building a wall. And so I, I thought that there might be some things that we need to talk about, about manhood and the hats that a father has to wear. Because sometimes they got to go to work and sometimes they got to wear a hard hat. 
And there's accessories with hard hats like gloves because sometimes you got to stick your hands into something and get them a little dirty. And that's the difference between boyhood and adolescence and adulthood and manhood is that any time, especially I, can, I can't preach for your house, but I can preach for mine. I raised a 30-year-old now and a 27-year-old. And when they were 14, 15, and 16 and thought they knew everything and said, Dad, I want you to treat me like a man. I said, if you want to be a man, get a job. Go to work. Put down your PlayStation. It's time to man up and get a job. Amen. See, sometimes you need work boots to dig in the mud. See, you got to get, you got to get busy. You got to go to work. Touch your neighbor and tell them, go to work. See, man, men, I stand among you today at City Gate and tell you there are men that are doing work among you. They are, they are herd leaders in table groups on Tuesday nights. They, they do recovery on Thursday nights at ARC. They pray during the week. They meet in fellowship with the Most High on a regular basis and call your name out before the Lord. You are a part of a group of men that do work here at City Gate. Can somebody say, Amen. Amen. Then, it, when you realize that we are among men that are willing to get dirty, I'm talking about messy dirty. I mean, if I could tell you, I'm going to write a book one day of all the struggles that we went through and walked through with families uh, in my 17 plus years. In two weeks, it'll be 17 years of me being a pastor here. Amen. <laughs> Yeah, if I could have counted how many clothes we put in the dryers to kill bugs because we went where no man should go and we walked in there because we were a solution to a problem. We were willing to get dirty. But you know what? Work a lot of times is associated with muscle. But a man has to have more than muscle. You need more than a work hat. Sometimes you need a hat to do business. See, sometimes the situation calls for muscle and grit to get dirty, but sometimes you've got to have a mind that's greater than the problem. Amen? Amen? Sometimes the world's looking for a man to think a little bit and do some business. You know, have class. Act like a gentleman. See... We are men that stand before you with, we put our classy hat on. We put, we put the do business hat on because I wanted my sons to see what a gentleman looked like. So when they looked into the eyes of their wife, they, their wife had an expectation of I see what their dad does and I have an expectation that he's going to do it for me. And guys that had the privilege of having daughters along the way, you did business a, a lot differently than I had to do business because you had to show them what to look for for a man because you didn't want them to marry no punk. You wanted them to marry a gentleman that could do business and work. Amen? So touch your neighbor and tell them to do some business too. But you know what? Sometimes when you do business... It gets a little shaky. A little dangerous. That's when you got to put on a hat like this. I used to wear one of these. 
a long, long time ago. <laughs> and I was one of those guys that played on the defensive side of the ball. And so our whole thing, when our coach, I remember our coach one day getting us together and saying, you guys are forgetting some of your assignments. And if you forget your assignments, remember this, fill a gap. If you see a hole, get your body in it. See, because sometimes the church has been guilty of complaining about others filling the gap. When we have to go into uncomfortable situations, you're standing among men now. See, there was a, an epidemic even here eight to ten years ago. Because eight to ten years ago, Pastor Gray and I walked into a choir room and looked in the face of about 50 or 60 men and said, how many of you had the sex talk with your dad? And about 30% of them raised their hand. That means 7 out of 10 learned how to have sex by a friend or pornography or a movie instead of their dad putting on a helmet and looking them in the eyes and saying, this is what sex is all about. But you don't have that problem today because we are men of righteousness that will put on even difficult challenges of talking about sex with our sons and, and even compliment our wives when they talk to our daughters about what their sex life should be like is you're looking for a man that can put on a hard hat and put on a man that a man that will put on a business hat and a man that will be a gentleman amen, amen. don't tell me about tvs going down the tubes and oh my god i can't believe they showed that if you would talk to your kids about it they don't have to show it They're, we're not going to let somebody at city gate fill a gap that we're going to stand in because i don't have to have uh whatever it is big bang theory telling my kids about what to do with their sex life Amen. i'm going to talk to them about it man that's just good preaching That's the kind of man you're with. You're, stand, you're sitting next to somebody within eight feet of somebody that is willing to have the courage to have the sex talk with their kids. Doesn't that feel good? Doesn't it feel safe? That you don't have to thank you. That we don't have to depend on Hollywood telling us what's right and wrong. That we can go to the authority. Because here's where real men are separated from the boys. Is he said, I not only need a man to do some work building a wall, but when we get to the gate part, because you've got to have a gate. If there's no entry point where you can come in or out, it's a prison. And he said, we ain't building a prison, we're building protection. And when we're building protection, I need somebody that when the gate's open to stand there. You know what kind of hat they got to wear? this one right here a soldier hat when we went to the to army navy store well i didn't want i didn't see a lot of me, this is where you you mix up some of the city gate guys with some of the people you've heard about see some of the people you heard about they need a pretty hat they need one with stripes somebody that's in authority we can be a soldier we can be the one on i said get the ugliest one they got and pastor gray got it Because we don't need to have beauty. We, don't need, we ain't getting our soldier duds on for a parade. We're getting it on for a battle. Because the enemy's going to try to come in the gate and we ain't letting them have the people that we love. We're going to transform somebody because we've got weapons. I got arrogant one time in a sermon. And, and there's a, anytime you get arrogant, there's partial truths. And I, you know, I'm an outdoors person, so I own a lot of weapons. And I, you know, I was like, man, I feel sorry for somebody trying to break in my house. <laughs> because in my house, there's a lot of stuff that goes bang. Yeah. 
<laughs> and I said that with arrogance because I was like, man, can you imagine some crazy fool kicking in my door? And him going, I wonder what's on the other side. And he would hear, bang, 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 stop. <laughs> bang, 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 are you okay? <laughs> bang, 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 I've called the law and the ambulance. <laughs> Stay with me, my brother. <laughs> I said all that to be funny because that's not really probably what I would do. But wouldn't that be wonderful if that was the attitude that we had toward the devil? That we took up our sword and our weapon and I, we said, bang, 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 how you doing over there? Bang, 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 how you doing over there? You doing all right? Bang, 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 this is the authority of the word of God and this is what we live by. Even when it's not popular with culture. Even when we look like villains, when we have to look into the eyes of our kids and say, I know that everybody's doing it, but the word of God says you can't do it. And so I'm going to put on my soldier hat and guard you against your tomorrows. That's the kind of men you with. That's the kind of men that are sitting right next to you. Men that will take up the word of God and the power of prayer. We will be examples. I wrote some things about a soldier that you're sitting next to. I said this. We have men of courage and of renown here at City Gate. They fight monsters that live in the dark. They search under beds and in closets and they calm down kids after bad dreams. They face life challenges with spouses like mortgages, med medical bills and everything that comes with life with a stabilizing faith that he will never fail. That when I get shaken, I go to some of these men and say, how is it looking in your life? And they say, Pastor, do not fall short and do not get weary in well-doing, but have faith faith he's going to be oh it's going to be okay we have a faith in God that stabilizes us they have the courage to fight with weapons like prayer and authority they have they are men of character and of truth they fight the enemy with truth and character shaped by their pursuit of God and make that pursuit of God part of their identity so it can be contagious in their home. We don't have in the closet prayers. We don't have in the closet righteous men. We have men that are willing to kneel down at the edge of a bed at the middle of the night and lead their kids and their family in prayer. They don't just pray over their food at the dinner tables. You're standing beside a man that can pray fire down. When you're talking about the Elijahs and the Elishas, you're talking about the Peters and the Pauls, the Timothys and the Titus. You're sitting among them. Can we put our hands together and honor these men? One of the last hats they got to learn how to wear is a team hat. Like this one. It feels good because we're in first place. I know we've had like 20-something injuries. We're the New York Yankees, man. We, we, we come ready anyway. I don't even know how I become a Yankee fan. I'm from Florida. I didn't even go to New York till I was like 48. <laughs> That's the truth. You know why I think it was when I thought about it? My parents, my, my mom's parents lived in West Virginia and we'd go on car rides, vacations. 
And back then, you didn't have your phone that you could plug something in and stick in your ear. You listened to whatever mom and dad were listening to on the radio, AM or FM. <laughs> and my dad would look for a baseball game a lot of the times as he drove, and uh, it seemed like the Yankees were always on, and I memorized the Yankee players. But you get the honor and the, the privilege of passing on some traditions. You know that story of the prodigal son? It's like the household that I grew up in, that I, I, I was able to have two kids grow up. One of them became a Miami Dolphin fan, just like his dad. He stayed home. One of them went out and lived riotously and become a San Diego Charger fan. And he, crazy stuff. <laughs> crazy stuff. I don't even, how do you even do that? He ain't even been to California, ever. <laughs> Only closest he's got to San Diego is the internet. <laughs> See, dads have to have team hats because we go to baseball games, volleyball games, soccer games, football games, gymnastics. We sit in the stands and cheer as if our son or daughter is the best athlete in the entire world. We pass down traditions about college and professional sports. We teach them to throw, catch, fish, hunt, play. We, they play Pokemon. We teach them strategy games like Risk and Monopoly. We teach them to compete, to win with character and lose with grace. Touch your neighbor somebody and say, keep score. Yeah, if you're part of that group that don't like to keep score, oh, let's let everybody get a trophy. We don't want Johnny or Susie to feel bad. What's going to happen when life tells them they don't win? Amen. That's why we raised up a mentality of entitlement that you think you deserve a raise just because you've been there another year. You get to be a superstar in the office and on the job site, they'll want to give you some money. I didn't get no amens there. There's like three. <laughs> but I mean, my goodness. Gracious, man, we got kids. I remember this was my little league experience. You know, sometimes I was on the winning team. Sometimes I was on the losing team. But at the last game of the season for everybody, when the champion was crowned, the other teams, there's usually four or five of them, would line up on the baseline. And they'd go down and hand you a, 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 a ribbon that told you what place you come in. Like if you weren't the champions, you got a second place ribbon. And if you were in third place, you got a third place ribbon. And if you were in fourth place, you got a fourth place ribbon. And sometimes they had to print all the way out to like eighth place. But you got a ribbon, but you didn't get no trophy. Because you had to win to get a trophy. Because we want to teach some things about winning and losing to our kids. Because you can't win every battle that you're in. Sometimes you get knocked down temporarily. And sometimes experience the graciousness of a loss. To know that you've tried your best, but your best on that day just wasn't good enough because somebody was one step faster and one step better. And you to be able to have the character and the dignity to stick out your hand and say, congratulations, my friend. You're the winner today. And I don't have to go home broken with all types of anxiety attacks about not finishing first. Because I want a man to teach his children 
And you've got them here at CityGate. That one day, you're go- you may be the champion now, but one day life's going to jump up and smack you down. And when it smacks you down, this word says that you can do all things through Christ, which strengthens you. Most of the time, we're talking about a mountain-moving moment. But sometimes it takes Jesus to get you up off the canvas and say, I'm not giving up. I lost today's battle, but I'll be back tomorrow for another fight. I got one more hat. I told you I showed up 17 years ago. Okay, 17 years ago I was a kid about 34 years old that didn't have any idea what I was getting into. And I, I mean almost from the very get-go the legend of Hoppy and BB started to emerge. I mean it was like I think the first little girl that found out I didn't have any little girls her name was Kelsey I think. And she had these curls, and she found out that if she paid me a little bit of attention, Hoppy has candy, and, and I won't let mom and daddy spank her at church. And, and, and then I, you know, and that doesn't even man, mention staff girls and kids. You know, I would be like, they would be like, can we call pastor? When dad was about to get on them, can we call pastor? I said, of course you can call pastor. Hoppy, tell him, tell him, call, call me. Because I found a way. And, and as, I, as I started to get older, I found out that some of the kids I actually went to, their kindergarten graduation, I've now had the privilege of marrying. And along the way, these kids started having kids, and I become this like extra set of grandparents. You know what men we do sometimes that we never thought you would do, especially in front of other men, that you will do in front of a, especially a little girl that will ask you to do something. See, I, I remember when I, I, I didn't have biological granddaughters at that time, but some of the other little girls around the church started, started saying, Hoppy, will you do this? And Hoppy, will you do that? And Hoppy, can you do this? And I found myself saying yes to things. Like, I remember when one looked at me and said, Hoppy? Can we have a tea party? I said, yes. I said, yes, ma'am. I said, come on over here. and look, look Poppy right in the eyes. Because real men, we tough enough to be tough, but tough enough to be soft all at the same time. How's your tea? Because I wanted her to see something in my eyes that told her that she was a treasure and special, even enough to wear a hat like this. Because I wanted her to look for that same look when she started looking for a man to drink tea with alone. But guys, fathers, life's tough. Well, that's Casey's hat and I'm afraid of her. I threw, that thing, I threw that thing on the ground. <laughs> that tempted God right there. Uh, y'all, the men of God almost had to come up here and resurrect me from the dead. But you're on one of the greatest teams of all. Because you don't have to do this thing called fatherhood and life alone. You've got other men that are walking around with city gate hats that says, we'll do it with you. See... Some of you 
have been fathers longer than me. And I need somebody to go to that's already raised a 30-year-old and a 27-year-old because they're about to turn 31 and 28 and I've never been there before, but maybe you have, that I could come to and say, hey, can I get some advice? I need some help. My son seems to be lost. and He doesn't know. It doesn't seem like he's as settled as he was six months ago. And I need to know what to do. It feels good on the inside to know that I can, of course I know I can pray. And I know God would help me, but he's helping me through you. See, sometimes we have the courage to be a father. Like this guy right here, right there, Pastor Matt. He's got the courage to be a father to Gio and soon to be a little girl. That's going to be a challenge. I hope I didn't mess up right there. <laughs> but let me tell you something. Gio has his last name. And he saw him for the first time in a hospital room. But he's got the courage to look around in his community of believers and find other men that, don't, that have an absence in that spot. And he said, you don't have to have my last name for me to love you like a dad. And he'll stand there with him. I've seen him take him to basketball games. I've seen him, I've seen him take his own car and say, hey, you need somewhere to go. you got to take a driver's test. Let's go. Take dad's car, basically, is what he was saying. i got a car for you. So you got men around here that are willing to have the courage to love the kids with their own last name, but also have the courage to love some of you that maybe haven't experienced what a true fatherhood is like. See, we're courageous in this joint. We'll go where other folks don't want to go. And a lot of churches, you're fixing to hear a song in just a minute about a mighty warrior. This is the best part of this sermon. I want to know who will stand with me at the wall of city gate. We got the walls up here. We got the middle being our, our gate. Some of them wear hats, like city gate hats that say that they're a father, but they're not the only ones invited to the front today. I want to know when God looked, He didn't look for just fathers. He looked for men. Maybe over the next 12 months you're going to be a father biologically or find a, mentor, a man or a woman that needs a mentor in their life, a father figure in their life, and you're going to be that. But here's the kicker. In most churches today on Father's Day, they will look to the man that stands behind this desk as the most powerful spiritual man in the room. I will tell you I am not in this room. There are men. I stand among giants. I stand among men like Pastor Vernon's and Pastor David Pleasant Sr.'s. I, I am not the, the apex of spirituality here. There are men that are, are in their 20s and early 30s that will pray me under the seat that you are in. They may not have the gift to communicate the gospel through preaching, but let me tell you, if you want to run hell away, if you want to fight hell with a water pistol and watch darkness flee and demons tremble, 
look to your left and to your right at the nearest man that has a city gate hat and I will tell you the enemy knows who they are. So mighty men of God, I invite you to let's have a moment of prayer and praise for our church our city and our community. If you've got a city gate hat, don it when you get up and come forward. I want you to make a commitment between you and your family and when they see their man standing up here, I want them to know that they are looking in the face of a righteous man uh, that God was looking for as a solution to transform a world. He didn't find one in Israel, but he'll find one here. So Amy, if you will lead us in a moment of worship and I'm going to walk down here and be the first man in the gap. And I invite you to come and join me as we look for the warriors of this congregation.